Deep in the imagination, there's a crossroads, a space where curiosity and inspiration intersect and give birth to ideas. A space where music, science fiction, comic books, and pop culture inform the mind of what is and what could be. This is Jeff Boucher's Mind Space. In each episode, legendary journalist Jeff Boucher welcomes the biggest names in genre entertainment for an expansive dive into all things pop culture. Journey with Jeff as he explores the latest news and recommendations of the hottest releases across entertainment with his most trusted confidants. You are now entering deep space. Heavy Metal presents Jeff Boucher's Mind Space. Hi, this is Jeff Boucher. Welcome to Mind Space. I am here with Maya St. Clair. How are you, Maya? Good. Good. Uh, today we have Emily Armstrong on the show. Uh, she is the lead singer of Dead Sarah, which is a band that uh, you may have heard of. And if you haven't, you will be hearing about them soon. They're on Warner Brothers Records. They have a new album out. It's just released. It's their first album on the label, but they are well known in Los Angeles after being a band here over the past decade that's caught people's attention and caught their ears. So uh, we're excited to have her on the show today. Is Dead Sarah a band that uh, you had known before, Maya, or are they pretty Yes, movie? yes it is, yeah. Yeah, they're great, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do lots of really good hard rock, punk, influence stuff yeah yeah it's it's great music to just get stuff done to kick ass and you'll see that in emily's interview she's just a very kick-ass authentic person and we really enjoyed hearing from her yeah she's terrific uh so uh without further ado we'll just get into the interview and again this is emily armstrong from dead sarah yeah and you can check out their touring too so their website is d-e-a-d as in dead and s-a-r-a as in sarah.com Well, it's such a strange time to be doing anything. Um, it must be exciting for you to think about getting back on the road. But before we talk about that, tell me a little bit about making the music on the new album, because you were doing that during COVID, uh, probably yeah. the peak of it. Uh, yeah. Did that help you guys? Did it keep you in one place or did you find oh, that yeah. to be a, a challenge? Oh, this is, I hate to say it in this way, but I don't think that there, we've always wanted to take the time that we did to make oh. an album. Mm-hmm. always but it's just with you know life just life will always throw things at you you know and especially having significant others and um li- you know living in a busy city la um it just things will just find its way into your schedule right and we've always talked about just you know hunkering down for at least six months and doing an album doing nothing but that and it's always very exciting so when there's an opportunity presented itself and I hate to say that in that way but um we made sure to take full advantage of it and it saved us you know because it's just a crazy time obviously and um it's just a lot of a lot of bad news and a lot of sickening things going on in the world and and it's nice to have something to look forward to you know with people that you love and something that you can create it's just it's a blessing it really is you know and we knew that yeah, that's really nice. Uh, well said. And, you know, it has been so grim, um, such a grim time. Uh, it's terrific that you took advantage of that cocoon time, basically, uh, to, to kind of take care of everything that was in front of you instead of being distracted by everything behind you or around you. Um, it's, uh, 
I think everybody wants to do that. It, it reminds me in a way of a funny thing I read that William Goldman wrote, the, the screenwriter, but he said it, it's a peculiar punishment to be a writer in Southern California um, because it's so nice out. Like, you know, and, and he pointed out that like uh, all the great literature, not all the great literature, much of the great literature comes from like cold weather, Ireland, mm -hmm. uh, Russia, you know, you don't get a, a ton of Tahitian novels. I mean, you know, but uh, it is, it's a peculiar it's like, thing in Southern California. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What part of the process do you enjoy most of, of your music career? Because some folks I talk to, they just love the studio process so much. They love uh, being um, there and, and building a song from scratch. Others, it's all about the live performance uh, and, and interacting with people. Do you have a, between the two, which way do you lean? Well, when I'm, I first start off doing one or the other, it's the most exciting thing and that's what I want to do. But then that starts to fizzle out, die out and become just a nuisance. And all you want to do is just then go on stage and play the songs. And then when you're out for so long, you're like, I'm sick of this playing the same songs every night. I want to write new shit. And this <laughs> is the circle, you know, this is the it's spiral. Okay, it's a cycle. It sounds like when I drink, it sounds like touring drinking. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like touring is like drinking like you're doing it you're like why am i doing this i don't know i don't want to be doing this and then i'm not going to do this anymore and then you go do the other thing and you're like this is boring i want to go drinking yes exactly and right now it's very exciting to be on the road even though you know covid it's it's we're starting to really understand being on tour during um the pandemic i mean there's like tickets sold and then you know like the other night 60 people didn't show up Wow. but they still have tickets wow. you know a big chunk of people not to show up you know so it's very interesting you know but i mean our fans have been very supportive in buying a lot of merch for us and and, and it's helping a lot which is was amazing that show, was that the show in milwaukee or was that no because that was Summerfest. so it's like i don't oh. know who yeah okay. um no that was uh then it was minneapolis yeah twin cities yeah st paul right. Yeah. And I thought down uh, toward the uh, next year, I know that you're doing a Daytona Beach uh, date. You're doing like uh, with Metallica and stuff. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's gonna be crazy. Is that in November? I think it's, it's January. Oh, yeah, November. It's November and it's um, it's Rockville, right? Yeah. Um, with uh, Metallica, Slipknot, Cypress Hill, Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie, and Social D. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So, that's all with TP as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, when you play a show like that, do you spend as much time checking out other bands, or do you do you need to kind of stay on your own schedule and get away from the show? It really depends. I mean, if we are staying there the night, then we'll go hang out for sure. Um, but if it's like a lot of interviews and, and, and press and trying to get to our hotel because we have to leave at like six in the morning, then you know that yeah, that. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up down in Florida and uh, uh, it's a nutty place. It's like, uh, you know, that's not news to anybody. I guess that's pretty pretty commonly known now, but uh, I went to a, a bike week in, in Daytona. I covered it once and it was like uh, 200,000 bikers and it was raining. I just remember it was the smell of wet weather all weekend. Um, but <laughs> when, when, you, when you travel and tour, um, are there places, uh, what are some of the places that you kind of circle in your mind that you really enjoy or maybe even one that you might circle that you kind of have mixed feelings about? 
Um, well, I was actually just talking to our drummer, Sean, as we were driving. And I was like, gosh, I really, I really like doing the South and the East Coast. I, yeah. That's like where I'm drawn to right now. I guess yeah. it's the weather. I love the humidity for a singer. <laughs> so oh, I think wow. I just like subconsciously was like, yeah, I like that. Because it's just doing festivals and stuff out in that. Like, I love it just... I don't know what it is. I, I, I maybe I shouldn't say as a singer because other singers are probably like shut up, but me as a performer and singing in that kind of weather, there's something about it that I, I just I love and sweating and my hair's frizzy and doing its own thing. Well, it's, <laughs> it's like a sweat lodge. Your own steamer, yeah, I love it. I'm I'm yeah, and I, I'm that kind of person that does like hot yoga and shit, you know, like I, I like totally right there with you i uh today this is going to make me sound like i'm kind of a decadent or, or out of work or something but i uh it's hot here in southern california today it's like super hot and i i just came from the hot tub outside like for 30 minutes <laughs> just trying to super sweat so like i'm there i'm right there with you i love it i love yeah. it so much it's like transcendent. the dry heat i don't like so much especially as a singer you know um it's just just hard hard to sing yeah. like especially outside festivals you know but I, I don't suggest you move to florida though even though you like humidity because you know all those hurricanes all the uh, zoos not all of them but many of them got knocked out and all those animals are on loose so they're having like there's like an anaconda or a boa found every day there's like monkeys running around there's crocodiles you know they used to only have alligators when i was growing up there crocodiles aren't indigenous now they have crocodiles which are much more uh aggressive so you what know stay, stay in the car yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think we'll be fine at the the, the uh, festival grounds i'm sure they'll have i don't yeah. know well maybe probably, hunting you'll probably be okay um yeah. i saw you play a lot um, sure i'm taking a chance here I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive that i'm remembering this right but at the sunset station festival like like maybe almost 10 years ago with uh best is it sunset music do they even do it anymore like the one you um, played with like uh, uh ray manzarek i think is that and the doors yes oh good <laughs> I was like, sunset, scary. sunset strip music fest sunset sunset strip yeah, I was writing a lot about the doors back then. I was interviewing those guys, and uh, and and I remember seeing you. Uh, I think you did Soul Kitchen. Yeah, I don't remember what song. I, to be honest, yeah, I don't like. I think I learned of uh, quite a few, so they call all kind of blend together. Yeah, yeah. But do you do was, you like doing other people's material, or is that kind of? Uh, is it yeah, yeah. It's definitely a challenge. That's why I like it. Uh -huh. You know, and it's getting, you kind of learn a little bit about the performer, you know, and oh, I, yeah. how I learned to sing, really. Oh. I'm, I'm like self-taught, but I would listen a lot and really try to just understand how they sang, oh, how they did it. Yeah. And so singing other people's stuff, I, I tend to, to understand even more as a performer you know and i love that so much and especially when i got to play with the doors yeah. it was very surreal though i wasn't trying to be jim morrison i was just trying to be me obviously yeah. and 
just like how would I sing it the way he sings it you know different than a lot of people because he's got the baritone so and you know a lot of people like they they've used they played with other performers taking his place through the years to varying degrees of success but sometimes they've had people that weren't baritones and I was just so confused like why are you why wouldn't you get a baritone just because it the songs seem so um tailored to his voice in a way yeah very true yeah definitely not tailored to my voice tell you that well you did a good job though that's why i remembered it you did a good job (laughs) thank you so much yeah i I like floating yeah i've i remember ray going emily because we had just played a show at the troubadour i remember this so vividly right after we got done i jumped in a car like literally right when i got done they outside in the alley the car waiting for me i jumped in and then drove to where was it um the house of blues mm-hmm. where they were honoring the doors and their performance and i went there and then i went up to like the green room and i was there with like some other people i think lp was there doing something and the sugar ray singer and some other people that i didn't really know anyway but it was just like i just i was just coming down off of like you know playing this performance you know like a dead Sarah show we just throw it all out there and i'm being thrown in there and then apparently i was supposed to be going up and i just was kind of didn't hear him and and all he was going is emily i don't know if you remember <laughs> and they're like emily he's calling your name go 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 and where I just, is she that's funny walking and just like i felt like i was floating i was like whoa this is really happening like and it was so surreal i was like it was like an out-of-body experience isn't that weird when that happens went up there and I was just like oh my gosh like I'm somebody else right now like it's, it was such an amazing feeling and I was like that's never happened before I and it was that happen to me one time too it's the strangest thing I felt like I was pulled out of my almost like out of my body I was looking down at myself watching myself in the room like I was over my shoulder yeah and, but I was still me but it was like there was a almost like an echo effect it was the strangest thing like I, I when that happens it's like we, I guess you just move on with life, but part of me is like, well, wait, how does that ha- work? What what does that mean? You know? How do I? How could I do that again? Yeah, can <laughs> can I sign up for more? Where do I subscribe yeah. to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's really cool. That's yeah, really cool. That, it was just so, and I don't even I don't remember the performance that much. That's how much I was just transcendent. I was just yeah. like, this is just, oh my god! Like it didn't hit me until I was like walking. And he was just like, Emily, <laughs> just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> how, does he, how does he do this? That's funny. I, I, I was talking to John Doe once about um, working with Ray on the X albums, because, you know, Ray um, produced that the, the great album with Los Angeles and all. Um, and he said a funny thing. He said, you know, Ray said, you know, at the beginning, um, when you saying she had to leave Los Angeles, he goes, I really like that. So when you're done with it, just do it again. Just do it, just do it twice right there at the beginning. Like, and they, so they open, they, they do it and then they, and they do it over like in the song. And it's a very uh, eccentric thing when you're listening to it, uh, but it totally works. And he said that the Doors used to do that all the time. If they had something they really liked at the beginning, they would just play it twice. Holy shit. <laughs> Isn't that an odd thing? What a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Go and listen to the the, the, the track and you'll totally hear it. Uh, it's it's a curious thing, but it gives it a lot of energy. It gives it a lot of energy. I'm going to. I'm absolutely going to do that. Yeah. I love that. 
for you, like uh, when it comes to the studio stuff, uh, um, how, how would you describe that cocoon experience? How did it finish off for you guys? Did you feel like it really paid off in the end when there's 11 songs in the new album and everything? Did, or do you feel like they're a really good snapshot of where you guys are at? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever gone so deep in, 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 in a process before with, with writing and with music. Um, or if I had, it was a long, long time ago. And I always thought that that was, we were almost good at trying to get back to that place where when we were young um, and it was your life, you know, like when you could really think about that and that's all you had time for. Yeah. You know, you didn't know about the outside world, you know, as much as we do now as adults. And it was that feeling, you know, where it's like anything goes like it, it doesn't matter what kind of style it is. It's like what you're listening to at that time or what is inspiring to you and to play. That's what's going to come out. We're not going to have any kind of agenda, you know, yeah. and, and sound like and what's going to come of it. Um and obviously some some selects were done by Warner being like, this is, we like these ones a lot. Like these ones are approved. So go ahead now, go just go finish the whole album. Like whatever else you put in this is gonna be great. Yeah. Um, so it was that kind of feeling that we, we, we went back to, you know, just like that kind of, that freedom. That open heart. Yeah, to, yeah. to just do what we wanted to like, and, it was very authentic, I believe, you know, and so having, you know, letting everything, all your guards down and just doing it for the love of it was both terrifying and very rewarding. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have done it any other way, you know, and I don't think that there will ever be another way, you know, because of the circumstances of the time. Um, so, it's it's a very very special album to to myself and everybody else that's great that's great and then you know i, I wanted to talk to you about um uh the song heroes uh, which was uh in august right the um mm -hmm. yeah uh the single and uh i don't know how you feel about talking about songwriting some some uh, okay. artists don't like to really talk too much about songs uh meaning and things like that but it was interesting uh with that song because uh uh, it, it's a, you talk about heroes and uh, that all your heroes uh, are no longer with us. Were, were you thinking specifically about music uh, heroes, or were you, or does it go well beyond that? Or I wasn't even thinking of anybody. It yeah. was literally a song that was already um, uh, finished, uh, not finished. It was. I mean, we had like a demo of a song, and it was just called "Giving Up," like the chorus, oh. "Giving oh. Up Now." and it was a friend of ours that kind of came in the studio like that we've known forever. And we were like, this is like a time when, when we were like, I mean, I mean like at least four years ago, okay. we were just writing a whole bunch at a friend's studio that he lent us just to go in and do whatever the hell we wanted to. And that song was born within that time, but it was never fully developed until this process. And um, we decided there's still something to this. And then when we went in with Noah, Shane, um, uh, who helped produce this that that song, and um, we we knew that it it needed some more work, and especially a writing. Like, and it, all the talk was like Emily needs to step up, needs to step up in the writing, and I knew I had to as well. So I was looking down at my phone, 
and I write down little tidbits of things, things that I like and I've heard and, or have made up or whatever. I just write it all down in my notes and I look down and it says, all my hairs are dead. And so I just sang that. Mm. So it had no real reference or, yeah. you know, with the song at hand, you know, yeah, but it just take yeah. on the life of the song. And I was like, Oh, I know what the song is now. And it was so interesting how like it, it, it worked with the chorus already. Mm. So I just then finished the verses, tied the knot, like, you know, tied, yeah. you connected all the dots and it just, you know, from there, it was very, very easy to write. And I understood what it was. So I didn't really necessarily have somebody in mind going, all my heroes are dead. It's like, not that, you know, thought yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it could even be just the rhythm of the, the syllables uh, that, that appeal to you. Um, I, but like that, whether, that's fun. It's like a tone poem then, you know, like really, you're like really open to just finding what, what's available. It's like uh, what they say about sculpting. You're, you're not, you're trying to find the sculpture that's already in the rock. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. something like that. Uh, what else, what do you do? You know, we, a lot of our listeners are, are people that write or they're creative people. Um, when it's not going well for you, or when you hit a wall, or, or uh, you feel like you're you're suspicious of your own voice, uh, what do you do to kind of uh, recalibrate or or uh, tune the instrument differently? Oh, I mean, we've done that. I mean, I mean, God, there's so many ways. We've actually had that with with this album. There was a couple songs that we've had for a while, like I was right. saying, like Heroes where you can just get stuck and nothing, it's just, it just keeps spinning and nothing new is coming. And every time, I mean, you could just keep adding stuff, but it's not quite breaking it. It's not, it's not breaking it open into something that we know is in there. Like you're saying, like right. the sculpt, like, you know, the sculpture that, you know, there's something in there. So you're digging and digging and digging and like hypnotic. I think what we started to do was just tune it down. Hmm like a whole step, half step. And all of a sudden it gives it a whole different life. Wow. And then I can start to hear all kinds of different things. And then we tune it back up and sing that new melody over it. And it's just, we did that to like maybe two or three songs. Oh, wow. And that was, that was the key to, to busting it wide open Isn't and making it feel new again. Yeah. yeah. And like so that. The simplicity of it uh, maybe, or the, uh with just the, the general contours of it, it became more visible to you, more available. It's really cool. Yeah. We just like got rid of that re redundancy, basically. Yeah. You know, it, uh, this is kind of random, but uh, I know you guys did a cover of Heart Shaped Box and I would think that that would be, anything by Nirvana would be such a challenge because it, it's so uh, kind of in people's heads as it is to interpret it differently and not just do a, a karaoke version of it is, is, is a challenge for anybody. Um, but I, I was going to say with Nirvana, you know, I, I came to appreciate, I always appreciated them um, when, when they were recording and, and putting albums out. But after that unplugged album, I found that my respect and, and appreciation of their music went up so much more just because I could understand mm. the melodies. I could, I could appreciate the, the songwriting in a way that uh, as, a, as just a civilian who's not a musician, I, I couldn't quite get to with the original recordings. Yeah. I agree 100%. And I love to do acoustic versions too, you know? And I think a lot of people gravitate towards that. Like we've done acoustic songs and, you know, like 
people, our fans love it when we do that, you know, and it took me a while to understand the intimacy about it, you know, yeah. and seeing it when I see like artists do it, like such as Nirvana and stuff. I'm like, gosh, like I, I forgot, you know, because again, like what you were saying, like Nirvana, I'm so accustomed to it. You know, like I grew up with it, but, you know, seeing people do that now, I'm like, oh, wow, I do understand the song now. And we do that as well in the studio when that's another way to break it down is, you know, like if we're running into that rut again and we just take it down to an acoustic guitar and like, could it sound good on just a piano or a guitar, you oh, know? Yeah. So is it working like this? Like if it's not, then there's something off, like the melody's not right or the chords aren't. And, you know, so it's very I, I, like I, I agree with that very much. It's like um, it's like the redemption song. Like if you could play it around a campfire and everybody loves it, it's probably a great yeah. song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, I think exactly. people like the acoustic because it seems somehow um, the singer seems more vulnerable. Uh, that mm -hmm. way there's less uh there's less between them and the song like it's just their voice and it feels like in a way um, yeah the people love that and they also love you know what else they love they love when songs stop in the middle and start again we all love that you know like you know, like the band we played and then just hit a, a stop and then the song will start up again you know they just have a pause i think oh. everybody's impressed that they can start together on time there's oh something God. about songs that stop in the middle that is so fucking funny. I'm like thinking <laughs> about a few. I'm like, yeah, I love that. Yeah, like Weezer what? does it. Like, uh -huh. uh, uh, you know, 90s uh, stuff for sure. Yeah, and X, X does it with Los Angeles because that song just stops. I think. Uh, <sighs> that's fun. And then uh, for you, music videos. What about music videos? Uh, I, I was watching some of them before we, ju we jumped on. Uh, and you guys have some fun videos. Do you enjoy that process? Uh, some, some artists just feel like it's like nails on a chalkboard others really get into it oh uh, gosh i mean so i love the idea of them uh, right <laughs> but when we started doing them i'm like oh god i forgot how tedious and tiring it is you know yeah. but when you get to see the process I, I think when you see it while you're doing it like they show you you're like oh okay great you're involved and then sometimes you do it and you don't see what is being like what it looks like and you're just like what am I fucking why no yeah so it's like I go back you know and then you're just kind of like praying that's going to turn out okay because you know we've had that before where we spent two to three days on a shoot and then just like oh, just not good such as heroes that's what happened you had to do what with heroes we had to call a friend and be like dude you need to save us like we got only $2,500 left of the budget. We need to do a video. We did this other guy fucking botched it. So like, all right, cool. We got this weekend and we kind of just threw some outfits together, got an idea and did it. Oh, wow. It's, it's, awesome. a, it's a special kind of, of uh, horror when you're on the clock on something. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen people, I was on a movie set once uh, and it was a Will Ferrell movie and uh, it was out at Trona Pinnacles. You know, it's like the... Uh, you know, out in the desert here um, near Palmdale and it has these like stalactites and stuff. Um, and they were doing Land of the Lost, you know, the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I was there. I liked the director. He's a nice guy. And, and, and Will was having a tough time. He had twisted his ankle there. He's supposed to be running over the sand dune and he didn't want to talk. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be here. These guys don't want to be here. 
and there was a tortoise walking across the set very slowly and a ranger comes out like a, a national park ranger you cannot touch that animal you cannot alter its course you can't distress it that's a protected species like and they had to sit there and everybody they weren't allowed to do anything they just had to wait for the tortoise to get out of the way and they weren't even allowed to like shoe it and i was talking to someone like how much do you think this is costing like per per minute he's like i think about twelve thousand a minute <laughs> and, oh, uh, no. i was like this is a particular ring of hell like all, all these people like staring at this tortoise just like wishing it to oh, run oh i love that this is random oh i love it that's random stuff you played with some great people before and you with these shows coming up some really great people i know you guys played with muse right i think you opened mm -hmm. uh, i know you toured yeah. with offspring mm -hmm. uh, i know those guys real well um is there somebody uh, that you toured with that uh, you learned something really cool from or that you had an interesting experience with that maybe you took something away from the experience uh, or anybody that uh, you like, enjoyed paddling around with or is it is it pretty much all business when you guys are? I mean, I think probably doing warp Tour yeah. and like that was pretty much boot camp for us oh, wow. and that big learning. Yeah, that was like one of our first tours um and you learn about camaraderie you learn about like how to you know properly you know tour with bands and and the manners and stuff like that and you know what you do and we learned a lot in that process and then after that we were like on tour with people and we just were very you know very well trained you know? yeah you had your warped badge on you're yeah. you like uh your bad yeah. you know you earned your badge that summer that's yeah. kevin lyman runs a great great tour yeah. you know uh, I don't know how, he's a great it. guy he's a yeah. great guy you know yeah he really he's really good for music quite honestly um, yeah oh wow yeah what um and for you like you know when you guys first came on the scene like i want to say like like 2010 something like that 12 2012 okay um you know your sound has changed significantly mm -hmm. uh, over time you know um you know, was that a process that was in uh, fits and starts or was it kind of an evolution or was it more kind of uh, sharp turning points? Well, if you heard songs that we did um, before the first album, they had pop like uh, they were very weird. Um, <laughs> like even if we did it on four tracks. Um, it wasn't necessarily the sound of the first album. We've always kind of done whatever the hell we wanted to, um, whatever sounded good at the time. Um, but I think the first album came about when the way it sounded was just because Sean joined the band and then um, we just kind of wrote all those songs within you know a few months. It was just like that vibe where it was just like, oh yeah, this song and then this song and then this song, you know? It wasn't very thought out. You know, it was just kind of we got these new band members and we all just got a lot of energy and, you know, grit about us. And we just kind of, bah, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, and at that point, you know, we two on it for a while and then you do the second album. And, you know, we expanded on the first album a little bit with the second album. Like, that's what it kind of felt like we were trying to expand. But then after that, we were like, no, we really want to expand like what is all this other stuff that we play that we never put on albums because we say it's not dead Sarah. Like there's plenty of 
stuff. Like, why did we ever do that? Mm. You know, it's a, it's, it was a weird thing for us to be like, wait, yeah, why, why aren't we putting this on? Because like we had to qualify, like it had to qualify as, as yeah. what you did. Yeah, and it didn't make any sense at, and like at a certain point. Like, why are we doing that? Like, we love this song. Yeah. Why are we keeping it off the albums? So that's why the sudden, you know, oh. these are songs that we've been writing like all along. So you just trusted your instincts more. Yeah. And we're wow. just like, let's go for it. You know, we could write these songs all day. The first and second album, we could do that. Yeah. It's easy, you yeah. know. But like when you when you when you start touring it and you start just just appreciating like what it is that you do, you know, and just really listening yeah. to that thing like instincts, like just do it. People don't like it, I don't care. If more people like it, great. Right. You know, we love it. Yeah, because you wouldn't want to be successful doing something you didn't like, because then you're gonna exactly. have to keep doing it, and then that's not gonna work out. Exactly. You know, what's uh? Yeah. How did the band get the name? And do people ever call you Sarah? Do they think you're oh, Sarah? Yeah. You're like yeah. it's like Hootie and the Blowfish. People call him like uh, Darius Rucker, Hooter, Hootie. Do. Yeah. Oh, I man. think I've probably done that too. <laughs> it was just like a something that susie and i thought was like an inside it's like an inside joke kind of a thing yeah. and we'll just make up stories about it yeah <laughs> yeah it's like maroon five they've never said what it's from they say you know, yeah you know, just we'll, hold on to that we'll make up things yeah i like uh i love band names i love finding out where they came from like blink 182 you know it was used to be fuck 182 uh because it's the number of times tony montana says fucking scarface Oh, wow. That's right. I read that. And oh, I think they changed the story a few times, too. There's that, too. Yeah. Duran Duran from uh, Motorella. That's how they got the name? Yeah, that's the bad guy in the movie. Oh, my God. It's kind of random. Oh, I didn't know that. Leonard Skinner, that was their PE coach in middle school. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I that. that. Oh, you know oh, my favorite is the Ramones. You know where the Ramones got? That one's great. No, I thought it was somebody's last name. Well, they all, uh, they had Ramon as their stage name, Joey, Tommy, Dee Dee, but none of them are named Ramon. Um, they got it because they found out that when the Beatles were touring, that Paul McCartney would always check in at every hotel as Paul Ramon. That was his fake name. And Shut they all the wanted to be, isn't that sweet? It makes it so sweet. Like, in oh a way. my God. That's so cool. Yeah, I really love that. Cool story like that. Well, yeah, you can. You could just say that is what uh, John Lennon used to check in. No, that's actually sounds yeah. creepy. Sounds uh, creepy. But uh, I love band names. So, yeah. well, fantastic. Now, you have um, October 1st, you're playing New York, I think. Yeah. And uh, October 2nd, Boston. And then mm -hmm. you're going to be back here in Southern California on the 9th. Uh, for all our listeners in Southern California, uh, should definitely come check you guys out. I think I'm going to try to come to the show. Yeah, the Roxy. We're playing two shows in one night. Yeah, we're opening Feeling up. Good? Feeling strong. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I don't know what I signed up for, but you know, I'm I'm up for the challenge. Which really one am. would you tell me to go to? Do you think? Do you think you guys? Do you think you you get warmed up and come for the second, or do you like the first one? Leave it on the floor. The first one. Fuck. You know, I think the second one I'll be drunk, so it could be better. Okay. Be something that we never forget. It yeah. could be something that's only going to happen once. <laughs> <laughs> the first one will probably be really good. I don't know. I've never done oh, this. The first one's good. The second one's interesting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
<laughs> well, fantastic. Well, that's all we can all hope for is to be good and interesting. Uh, yeah. So Emily, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's oh a treat God. to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was an awful lot of fun. Yeah, it really was. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Mindspace. You just heard from Emily Armstrong of the band Dead Sarah talking about touring, making music, songwriting, and everything else that goes along with the rock atmosphere. We had a great conversation about their band name being an inside joke, and Jeff shared some of his experience with band name backstories. So I was thinking we could talk about A, interesting band name origin stories and b what makes a good band name in general yeah good good questions uh, uh i love i love uh the uh the heritage of band names finding out where bands got their names from i think it's it's really fun and I'll, although sometimes i think just like uh emily was saying that that uh we don't necessarily get the exact precise answer i think some bands get so sick of being asked that they come up with a stock answer or like Maroon 5, just don't answer the question at all. But um, I mentioned Blink-22 and Skinner, uh, Duran Duran. Uh, you mentioned The Doors, which comes from the uh, The Doors mm -hmm. of Perception book, right? Yeah. By uh, Huxley. Oh, there's another literary one is The Killers. Uh, oh, have, I didn't know about their, their literary thing. Well, I should say it's more cinematic. They're named after the movie the Killers, the Burt Lancaster movie that oh, okay. adapted the Hemingway story, The Killers. You know, it's a somewhat obscure film. And then uh, They Might Be Giants. They took their name from uh, George C. Scott film. Presidents of the United States are actually named after the chief of the executive branch. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid joke, sorry. Uh, let's see. I, I think it's interesting the bands that are, that their name is a person and people get confused. You know, like Pink Floyd, but they even have that lyric, which one's pink? Because people used to ask them all the time, which one of you guys is pink? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Steely Dan, uh, which got their name from a vibrator catalog. Nice, okay. Uh, it's, if you know their music, it, it fits their music because uh, they're mm -hmm. the most lecherous lyrics of anybody. I mean, the music is so uh, polished and beautiful, but if you listen to the words, it's, they're pretty uh, uh, pervy. I guess would be the way to say it. But they had like the, uh, the catalog, like an Iron Mike or a, a Tall Johnny or a Steely Dan. That was the, it was an adjective and a name. So yeah, okay. So I'm gonna move on now. Uh, let's see, else one was. I, I, I always know. thought that, I mean, the E Street Band, that one's cute. I mean, because they're so wholesome and it's such an, a wholesome origin. They're like, oh yeah, that's where the keyboardist live. And he had a sweet mom who would make us dinner. So it's know, the man. East Street Band. So yeah, it's quaint. It's a quaint uh, name it in is. a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It speaks to another era. Pearl Jam is like that too, because they were apparently named after, I think it was Stone, Stone Gossard's or, or Eddie's aunt, Pearl and her award-winning jam like uh, at the county fair like pearl jam that's amazing because uh, but a lot of people thought that had kind of a raunchy uh that it, it was something less wholesome uh but uh it's, it's a it's award-winning county fair jam mm -hmm. uh, yeah you you mentioned the foo fighters 
Yeah, they're named after the, the yeah. Air Force pilots that used to chase UFO reports. Uh, they were called the Foo Fighters. Uh, yeah. But I always thought it sounded like, I don't know what it, I did, I never liked that name. I just thought that Goo Goo Dolls just, just seemed like bad names. Something about the double O. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't cutesy. I don't know. Too cutesy. Yeah. Too cutesy. Chumbawamba. I don't know. I'm against that. Yeah. That's not not a good thing. Yeah. I've got, I don't know. I I feel like it's an unpopular dislike, but I don't like overly quirky words like discombobulated. That's one that just is too cutesy for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's too many syllables Um, for that meaning. mm -hmm. It seems like an excessive syllable. Celebrity. Yeah, I don't know. I like Foo Fighters though. It's okay. it's strange. It's it it does sound like like what it is, like a glowing anomaly. Oh yeah, yeah. Plus, See, because can... it's like, what is a foo? Yeah, I, I don't know. I uh, there's a there's there's been a resurgence of memes just making fun of the name, where it's like it'll be like a soldier or like you know a a turtle formation of Roman centurions and they're like putting up their shields and then it's like they're fighting the foo. Get some foo on you. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's unexpected. You too, named after uh, the spy plane uh, mm. that uh, Francis Gary Powers was flying over the Soviet Union, I think. That's a pretty good name because it's so ambiguous and yeah. simple and it looks good on a poster. It's easy to chant, you too. What's you the too. story behind Blue Oyster Cult? Let they me have an try umla, to look it up. like an unnecessary umla in their name that is not pronounced like that. So I've always well, I feel like that would be useful because, like, even if you, even if it doesn't stick in your mind, yeah. which it it really does. But you know, if someone's like, it's like three words, but I know they had the the the, the thing. The I'm umla, sure oh, you I could see. go into a record store and be like, I need the the O with the dots over it. You know, I used to work at a record store. It was my first job when I was 16, from age 16 to 18. And uh, mm-hmm. and when I got accepted to college, my the guy that ran the store t- tried to talk me into not going to school to stay and become manager. I was like, you're going to tell a 17-year-old not to go to college so he'll stay and work at your record store? Dude, that's mm-hmm. bad. Like, even at that age, I was kind of offended by that. But he, um, when I was working there, people used to come in and ask for stuff. And it was so much fun trying to figure out what they wanted i had this one woman to come in once and it was the hardest i was it was like two hours of could not figure out she's like i'm looking for the Greenpeace song i said okay Greenpeace. uh well peter gabriel did an album with Greenpeace. is it no okay sting no uh went through all the environmental people i said how do you know it was Greenpeace? what well, was about whales oh it's about a song about whales yes it's a song about whales whales you say well let me see is it andres volenweeder who used uh uh, whale sounds on one of his, no oh no okay and I'm like can you sing it for me she goes I really can't I, I said just look no one's listening just just I, I can't sing either just just try and she goes save a whale save a whale save a whale I said you're looking for Enya the song is called sail away <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah and it was uh but that was like two and a half hours of my life wasted mm-hmm. <laughs> Now I want a Sticks reissue of Come Save Come Come Sail Away as Come Save a Whale. Yeah, Sticks could totally do that. I like when people have names like that make them sound like they're a band, like Bright Eyes. It's one person, but mm-hmm. it sounds you're Bright Eyes, you think it's a band. Nine Inch Nails kind of it's that's really two people, really, because they're Atticus. Mm-hmm. What what does Nine Inch Nails come from? Like, is that oh. about crucifixion? No. Howard no. Hughes. 
Howard Hughes. His oh. fingernails were nine inch long. Howard Hughes in his uh, his reclusive yeah. uh, hermit years used to jar his urine and never clipped his fingernails and they started yeah. to curl back and they were like nine inches long. Oh. So that's the nine inch nails. That sucks. I... You could have gone without knowing that probably. Yeah. No, I meant, I mean, once you get past the, the gross out, I mean, I, yeah. I feel very bad for, you know, Howard Hughes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Any other really good band names? There's a lot of uh, ones that are from like comic books, you know, like David Banner is named after the Hulk, uh, or you have like DJ Green Lantern, or you have Ariane Lyle. They, they never really said, they said it stood for really energetic music. Led Zeppelin, uh, most famous probably band name heritage is that I think it was Eric Clapton said, that band's going to fly like a Led Zeppelin, like it would never get off the ground. <laughs> Which is, I, I, I kind of, I'm suspicious because that just doesn't sound like something somebody just randomly says, like Led Zeppelin. Like you, maybe if you said Led Blimp, but I mean, who's talking about Zeppelin's all? I don't know. Is it like a regional thing? I don't know. I mean, uh, Zeppelin's like Iron Maybe Wolf. something somebody's grandmother said and just got carried down. Uh, the Beatles, they got their name. Uh, partly because of the crickets, Buddy Holly and the crickets, they so admired Buddy Holly. I think the Beatles is just a great name. And it's yeah. so weird because it's like, it starts off as a pun, but then it's just become so dissociated from any kind of insect connotation. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like, uh, I think the same with Star Wars in a way. Like, if you think about it, that's really a terrible title. Star Wars? Like, it's, what does that mean? Like, they're, why are those Star Wars? Like, it, it's just, but we're so accustomed to it that we no longer even hear the syllables it's a, it's an idea yeah. it's not a, it's not two words robocop is a title too that you know oh <laughs> think about it like it's a yes title robocop remember when cowboys and aliens when john favreau was working on it he said yeah the title cowboys and aliens is kind of a, he's like but robocop and star wars he, he used those examples specifically to say like yeah you know, it, it sounds funny but over time it just becomes normal yeah i, re I remember seeing that in theaters yeah. I was on the set of that movie uh, and met Daniel Craig uh, for the first time. And he was sitting underneath a tree with a ukulele playing Here Comes the Sun. Oh. Uh, sitting in the desert by himself. And I walk up and I'm like, hi. He's like, I just got it. Favreau gave it to me as a gift. Because Favreau plays the ukulele too. And the two of them would sit and just work on their uh, ukulele playing. And they, they got quite good. That's um, the kind of Hollywood cabal I can get behind. <laughs> yeah and it was funny first time the funniest thing about that movie is the first time harrison ford ever made a western like that's crazy a guy that we know for wearing a hat so much never was in a western before that wait harrison ford was in that cowboys and aliens yes he was okay yeah yeah so is uh sam rockwell and uh olivia wilde yeah i remember her yeah, and Paul All Dan I remember that is that movie is that at some point Daniel Craig has to like do drugs or like an ayahuasca ceremony to like access the alien knowledge. Yeah, well, we all been there, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, Harrison Ford plays Paul Dano's dad, uh, General Dollarhide, I think, if I remember. Right. <laughs> it's, just, it's the things that stick in your head, so random, mm -hmm. right? So, but uh, yeah, I love band names. I think that that's a lot of fun. I think that if the who continues touring, that they should change the name to the why. Oh. <laughs>
sorry. <clears throat> but the Ramones, that's the sweetest story, I think. You know, mm -hmm. that makes me like them even more. You know, it's just kind of quaint. Um, I heard that uh, they're making a Ramones movie with Pete Davidson as uh, Johnny, Johnny Ramone. Mm. That's, yeah. that Speaking of titles, what do you think about the standard biopic formula of naming the biopic after a song instead of like the actual person? I think it's probably a good idea. I think so. I think it usually works. I think you're mm -hmm. like thinking like uh, which one do you think of walk the line and and well I mean they yeah. did I mean I feel like it's just been like this the string of of biopic hits like you have Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody which is about Queen or Freddie sure. Mercury and you yeah. have Respect which is about Aretha and then you yeah. have uh, these are not in order <laughs> Rocket right. Man and no. the Stardust David Bowie movie that we don't talk about oh yeah. That's not um, really. And there's yeah. a Hank Williams movie. Did you did you know that that came out like? Oh yeah. With, uh, uh, that's the Tom one with Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. 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 And and Ray also, if you go back a little further, you know, Ray and Walk the Line, the Ray Charles movie, and then the Johnny Cash movie, both mm -hmm. Oscar winners. But is Ray a, does is Ray a song by Ray Charles? Or is no, that that's just... what I'm saying. It, it resists the. Uh, okay. Yeah. It resists the. Uh, although he had his name in several of his song titles, but he had like Ray's Blues was one of his songs. I, I, I think the biopics are interesting. I just don't like when they um, change facts that are public facing facts and do so in a way that seems inappropriate. Like with the Queen movie, like the fact that, you know, right before they go on at Live Aid, he tells his bandmates, well, I hope this is gonna go well because we haven't played. And also I have HIV and they walk out on stage and then they play, they all have heavy emotion. He wasn't HIV be positive until a year and a half after that performance. Mm -hmm. uh, they had been on tour, they had done dates before that performance. So this to, to randomly make up that, I mean, Live Aid was watched, I watched it, a lot of people watched it. So it's such a public facing event to change the facts of history for no reason really, other than to jam just a little more emotion in the one moment. I think it's kind of irresponsible, I think, but I'm also mm -hmm. probably taking this way too seriously. No, no, I think lots of people go to those movies as a surrogate form of education. Shoot, I'm blanking on her name, but the she sued Netflix for the Queen's Gambit because to prop up their fictional female chess player, Netflix was like, oh, our, our character is playing against men, which not even, and they name-checked the Russian female grandmaster, not even she has done that. And she sued them <laughs> saying because she had won, you know, championships against men. Like, why do you need to drag to other, you know, a little, just a little to... more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not that's not a good call. And, and, and especially if it's public facing like that, you know, I mean, if you're yeah. if you're changing the dates of someone's relationship or something for dramatic purpose, maybe. But, you know, the, the, the day, when Freddie Mercury was diagnosed with HIV, is an important part of history because of what was going on in this country and what wasn't going on in this country. I mean, Reagan managed to serve two two terms in office without ever publicly mm -hmm. using the word AIDS, the term AIDS or HIV. There's never been a recording of him even uttering those letters in a row. Um, in what way does the Freddie Mercury saying that to his bandmates undermine the history? Is it undermining well, how, how people had to keep it a secret or just... Well, because, uh, you know, like Rock Hudson was the first celebrity 
you know, but if you're saying that Freddie had it a year and a half before he did, you know, that throws off the history of when people were saying what and what mm -hmm. it just, it's just, it's such a sensitive thing. And, um, and Live Aid is such a big moment in people's shared history. I mean, in, in a way, uh, I just think it's, it doesn't have a really net benefit for the movie. And, and I think it undermines the, the sense of history that people have. Or does it does it under I, it undermines actual history? But do you think maybe it reinforces the way people remember it? Like I know lots of people look back on the Live Aid footage and they're very sad, you know, because it's Freddie yeah. Mercury right before you know his his decline and his death. So maybe it's reinforcing the skewed experience of history rather than you know, it's it's a retroactive kind of history. It's how it's it's as if you ask, asked people to act it out, act out their memories of how they're reliving this footage, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It, um, but it's, uh, I mean, Live Aid was in 84, I want to mm -hmm. say, 1984, and he didn't die until 91. Yeah. So, I mean, his his health was maintained for a while after that, but I understand what you're saying, like in the, in the, the portrait of, of Freddie that we have in our mind, you know, the tragedy of, of HIV and the loss that we had is 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 a is a big part of that that mm -hmm. portrait. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah, makes a journalist of me. It just it makes me queasy. Mm -hmm. In my dark Shakespearean past, I studied at the Globe in London for a little bit, oh, wow. and one of the historians in residence there went on a kind of rant about how much of the quote unquote reenactment and restored Globe is not accurate at all and it's only meant to cater to people's nostalgia and how people stereotype the period right. for example it's got the beautiful you know Tudor half-timbered finishing on the outside with the dark wood cross beams on the white stucco and she's like that's not how it looked it was all whitewashed <laughs> isn't it yeah. interesting the the things that they that you know and I mean look there's been a hundred movies about the okay corral shootout and none of them are right like you know and they're all like about legends and not about history um but there's something different about i think a live concert that's viewed by millions and millions and millions and millions mm -hmm. of people and, and talked about for many years it's just that it, it just seems to me like if the life story is worth telling it's worth telling kind mm -hmm. of right and but i know that this is my sensitivity is higher than, than most people's on this just because uh it was snob about it, I guess, maybe, journalism mm -hmm. snob. No, but. no, I don't think it's snobby, because I think, like we said, lots of people go to these things and have their, quote-unquote, knowledge reinforced. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you could make a whole list of historical misconceptions that were introduced via narrative movies or fiction. Yeah, yeah, I was just talking about one the other day, The Doors, the great movie, another biopic, a great Oliver <laughs> Stone movie, but it shows this TV commercial using Light My Fire. That commercial never got made. Well, it never got aired, um, mm. you know, but but I understand why Oliver wanted to do that because he wanted to show what it would have been, what what Morrison was angry about when he said he wanted to do the commercial, but uh, that wasn't public facing, but Live Aid is. So uh, it just seems more audacious to me than the, the live one. Mm -hmm. But, um, well, it's, uh, it was a fun show and it's nice to be back. And, We'll uh, um, 
we should get more band members on the show. I really, really enjoy talking to Emily Armstrong from Dead mm -hmm. Sarah. Uh, previously, just to finish our topic about uh, band names, in the band press, I went back um, in doing some research on Dead Sarah. And previously, they had told people that it was based on uh, the, the uh, Fleetwood Mac song, Sarah, that oh. uh, there's a line where uh, Stevie Nicks says, said Sarah, and they thought they missed uh, mm -hmm. heard it and thought they they were saying dead Sarah that she's singing dead Sarah so that's where the name came from but uh, I don't know if they've decided to set aside that uh, mm -hmm. story or if that was just a kind of press kit uh, anecdote kind of thing but uh, it was really great having her on the show all right well we'll uh, see you next time and thanks everybody for listening and uh, join us here at Mindspace uh, often <laughs> all right all right, see you guys. Bye.